With one accord, the crowds paid attention to Philip's words. In the reading today, Philip, he speaks with such authority that he commands the intention of the entire crowd. Not only that, but unclean spirits fled from that place. Paralytics and cripples were healed. What a speech, you know, what a homily. Wish I could promise you something like that today, but I cannot. And it's not because God doesn't want you all to experience his power in that way, but because I don't have the faith that Philip had. I'm not yet the saint that God's calling me to be. And so you will not see God's power and love on display in that way today. And I feel the weight of that. Because we all know, and we've had the experience, that when there's a, someone who's truly following the Lord, who really knows him, that he could transform the world. And that, class of 2020, is what I'm challenging you today. It's weird not having you all up front, because I can't look at you all at once, so I've got to look around all the time. But you're called to do great things, truly great things with your life. And I don't mean that you all just have the potential to do something and it's up to you. You can take it or leave it. You know, live the life uh, of truly being excellent or not. It's more than that. If you fail to live the mission that God's calling you to, to be excellent in whatever you're called to do, then it has real consequences and the world will suffer because you didn't. So I'm not saying that to scare you. I'm saying that because you are actually here for a reason. You have something to do in this world, and you need to do it. Uh, There's a sort of desperate energy in that. It's beautiful. So I'm not here today to offer you some pious platitudes and promise you a bright future. uh, Because visibly, the future looks rough. At least the immediate future, we don't know what's going to happen. But that's okay, and in fact, it's better for you, I think, because hard times tend to, to use a biblical image, to separate the wheat from the chaff. Uh, They bring out who you really are. They make you tougher. They demand more of you. So I told told you that you're called to be great, excellent, and perfect, and it does, I admit, sound like a pious platitude. But dig in a little bit. I'm a fan of biographies that are way too long. They dig into a person's life in all the nitty-gritty detail. And one thing all biographies try to do is they look at a person's youth, and they try to figure out what the thing was that made them who they were sort of destined to be. What was the circumstance or experience that brought this thing out of them? And it's always sort of a disappointing section because it's rare that extraordinary people had extraordinary childhoods. They're usually perfectly average. So I say that because how many of you in the class of 2020 feel extraordinary, feel like that no matter what, the force of your personality, the force of who you are, is destined for greatness, that you are necessarily going to change the world in huge ways? Exactly. You know, none of us feels extraordinary. 
And if, you, and if people do, that generally means they're crazy. You know, and you probably shouldn't listen to them. But being average in that sense, and having a sort of average upbringing, makes you perfectly eligible for the great lives that you're destined to live. But you're BC grads, you know. You're ready for that call to greatness. You're ready for the call to do something amazing in this world. Of course not. Of course you aren't. But I think, and I, I really do believe, that you have the tools to begin the journey. I was in the classroom with you this year, quite a bit. We battled it out. You know, it wasn't easy. It wasn't calm. It wasn't peaceful. That's good. You care about the truth, and you care about what's good in this world and what's meaningful. Don't ever let that go. Because I think both our muscles and our minds, when we get into about our mid-20s, they begin to harden, and our opinions start to harden, and we have this temptation to choose a lifestyle that's most amenable to us, surround ourselves with people that are similar to us, settle down, sit down on the couch, crack open a beer, and try to live a comfortable life. That's the, that's the temptation. Don't do it. But then, even when we try that, it gets confusing because we realize pretty quickly that there is no easy life. And there's no life without risks. You know, to live is to suffer. And I don't mean that in all the time, but I mean there's necessarily going to be hard times in life. But Peter gives us some great advice in the second reading. He says, It's better to suffer for doing good, if that be the will of God, than for doing evil. It's a piece of advice for the ages. I'll use an endurance athletics analogy here. If you're running a marathon, doing a triathlon or an Ironman, Hope all of you have that experience at some point. Do the B100. Uh, whatever it is, you're going to hit a wall. And at that moment, when you hit the wall, it's going to seem a lot easier to quit. It's just to stop. And you're going to have a lot of reasons to do so because you're on the edge of sanity. Uh, but if you do, the moment you recover from that, you're going to regret that for the rest of your life, unless you have a sort of moment of redemption, you know, an opportunity to do it again. And what holds true there holds true for life. The person who lives a mediocre life is going to suffer infinitely more than the person who strives for perfection. And you, so you might ask, though, you know, Father, where do we begin? There's too many roads to choose from. There's too many possibilities out there well, for each of you, there's exactly one road that you ought to take. It's narrow, it's rocky, it's difficult, but it's possible. How do you find that road? You know, it simply involves following Christ. It's simple, it's not easy. That's the Christian life. If Jesus tells us in the Gospel, I won't leave you orphans. I send you an advocate, the spirit of truth, to be with you always. So it's your choice. You're free. You can go off to college or off into life wherever you're planning on going. You can party hard and follow your bliss. Do whatever. And it will give you a sort of sense of rebellion for a while. Uh, make you feel good for a while that you're 
kind of being your own person, but in fact, just following the crowd. It's not going to give you that deep satisfaction. To be a Christian today is the true revolution. That's the true rebellion. And the Lord's waiting for you. So sacrifice what he's asking you to sacrifice. Leave behind what he's asking you to leave behind. It's worth it. That's the road to greatness. And in that, even though it's difficult, it's the most difficult road. It's the road to joy. And the world needs you to follow that road. Needs you to do it. There's just not enough great saints in the world right now, and we need more. You'll find that if you do that, then when you speak, crowds listen up. Your friends will listen because you're someone different. And unclean spirits will be cast out. Paralyzed people will be healed. Who knows? It's possible. Because you are all capable of that greatness, of perfection, of joy. So don't turn around, no matter the cost, no matter the suffering, from that road. You won't regret a single moment. And I'm feeling it today because I'm going to get all emotional. You're the last class I'm going to have at Butte Central. And I got to know you well, and I love you all. Truly, and I can say that, Because I do, to a certain extent, feel a fatherhood in this. So, as a spiritual father, I beg you to follow the Lord. And you will not regret that road. So we give our light to the Lord. Because he gave his life for us. And it's worthy. It's a worthy road. And he's worthy of our trust. Trust in the Lord. He'll never lead you astray.